Patrick Evans, Vice President and Head of VaynerSmart, and I discussed all things sound marketing in this latest episode of Sound in Marketing. There was so much good information, I decided to split the interview into two parts. Here's part one of my interview with Patrick Givens. You may notice a difference in audio quality, and that is because this interview was recorded remotely through Zoom meetings. This was also my first time using the platform, and so there were a few trial and error elements that I will apply on my next interview episode, so bear with me. There is some great information in these episodes, so sit back and enjoy. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Patrick Givens, Vice President and Head of VaynerSmart, VaynerMedia's Innovations and Emerging Technologies Division, which he founded in 2016. He's now leading this extension of VaynerMedia into emerging channels such as voice-first and messenger-based AI, connected retail, and interactive packaging. He also speaks around the world on topics such as conversational marketing, sonic branding, and ethical innovation. Patrick has been in the world of advertising for quite a while, working at and alongside other agencies such as Anomaly, Droga5, Gray, and Havis Worldwide. He's seen the innovation and creativity of technology through a whole lot of different lenses, and I'm so excited to hear his take on what the marketing world is up to with the inclusion of sound as an element of branding. Hi, Patrick. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to talk with you. Yeah, glad I could nail you down for a time. Um, so why don't we why don't we just start with what Vayner Smart is about? What kinds of things are you guys working on uh, that is delving into the world of sonic branding and sound marketing? Sure. Yeah. So I think as context there, Vayner Smart is a division of a larger agency called Vayner Media. Uh, Vayner Media has been around about ten years, and we're a full service digital marketing agency, really operating across um, all channels, and in capacities, everything from upstream strategy, creative development, and then actual production, as well as the planning and buying of media. And as you mentioned in your intro, I joined back in 2016 to start an emerging technologies group within VaynerMedia, which that's what VaynerSmart is. And so we're really working on what are the next set of channels that we think are going to be critical for our agency's functions, for our clients' businesses, and ultimately, um, for our own businesses, we move into owned products of our own, uh, trying to market uh, brands that we launch and potentially um, act in a private equity capacity and make acquisitions. And so for us, what that has meant over this past, uh, coming up on four years now, has been a lot in the conversational AI space, quite a lot in voice, so third-party skills and actions on platforms like Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, um, across the voice platform landscape. And then also increasingly, we are intersecting those interactive platforms with published audio, with podcasts, with streaming audio platforms. And so overall, we're operating more and more with audio as either the first or in a lot of cases, the only component of a customer interaction. And that then generates the interest in and kind of sets up the need for better defined sonic uh, assets for our brands. So would you say that the majority of the clients that you have or that you're seeking out, would you say that they are, they already have a space, a presence in like the visual world and other kinds of aspects and you're incorporating audio as a fresh start or 
do you feel like the people that like kind of uh, respond to you best would be people that just have that audio presence? So it's interesting. We have this conversation with our clients all the time where whether they're being thoughtful and choiceful about the sounds they're making or not, they're making sounds. Uh, it's not really a decision of whether or not to have an audio presence. I think for almost all brands and certainly for the majority of our clients, they're producing sounds across media channels in their own properties. If they're certain types of businesses in their retail spaces, or uh, maybe it's digital products and the sounds throughout that they're making sounds all day, every day. It's really a question of, are you going to pay attention to those and try and get the most out of them as you have with, in many cases, your visual brand. So I think it's actually almost not a question of, are they operating in these spaces yet or not? Because in almost every case, I can't think of a single instance where somewhere across a brand's ecosystem, they're not producing a bunch of sounds. It's more a matter of, are you going to be choiceful and thoughtful with those sounds or are you leaving it either up to chance or in a lot of cases at the discretion of whatever production partner a brand might be working on for a given asset? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That's what I talk about all the time is just sound is everywhere. It's not, it's not a matter of, you know, do we incorporate it? Like you said, it's already there. And so what is our representation of it? Is it actually sincere to our brand or is it a, a happy accident or a bad accident? Right. And I think we often talk about that. Uh, we just try and draw out the parallels to the visual branding elements that we're all used to describing and to thinking about. And so I said to my clients all the time, you wouldn't brief me or the Vayner Media team on a media campaign and say, eh, my logo kind of looks like this. My logo is aspirational, but I don't know, do whatever you think might look like my logo. No, you, you'll give us your logo. You'll give us uh, the color formulations will give us the fonts that you typically work in. And those are really critical brand elements that you've been accumulating equity in over the years. And for whatever reason, we've generally allowed that kind of discretion to individual agency partners or even to individual brand managers within a client team uh, when it comes to sound. So I think increasingly, as we're seeing more consumer attention shift to audio and digital audio specifically, we're spending more media dollars in audio first or audio only channels. Uh, naturally, then the attention to audio identity starts to rise as well. And that's where we're seeing both uh, a huge need and then flip that around a huge opportunity to really develop some stronger brand assets that do work. Uh, they've got to be dynamic enough to work across a lot of different types of touch points. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, like my own personal uh, feelings on it is, you know, we had the boom of YouTube uh, a few years ago and people got all crazy about like that being the content, the entertainment content. And I foresee podcasting as the next YouTube um, with all of the attention that's going on to smart speakers and AI and just not having to even look at a screen anymore because people are too quote unquote busy <laughs> to stop and like actually you know, use both of their senses, they're, they're going, they're moving. And voice is all that we have in some situations, you know? So uh, it's, it's very, I think it's very exciting to see uh, us on the cusp of discovering something very different. Yeah, I feel the same way. I even draw maybe a, I, I love the not to podcasting there. I'm a huge podcasting consumer. And depending on which client we're talking about within our mix, 
Some of them are very active in the space today. Others are kind of just exploring how it could uh, fit with their business objectives. But I even look at uh, the, what I'd say right now are kind of bad habits that we've as an industry learned over the last decade um, in, in an effort to be uh, progressive and to be thinking about where attention actually is. We've moved to a lot of mobile first design reviews, right? I'd say any of the listeners who work in a design agency or creative agency of any type or potentially who are on the other side or even just thinking about this uh, for themselves, we often look at content even comped into the outline of a mobile phone screen and from the major social platforms are encouraged to think about video and assets that perform with the sound off because when you're thinking about a phone as a primary interface, a lot of the time sound isn't there. But I look at that in comparison to a bunch of trends and attention showing increased digital audio engagement. I'm like, huh, we've been spending about 10 years where as a best practice, we've wanted to make sure the content we're putting out there works with the sound off. And instead, now we're having more and more channels where sound is the main media. And so we got to be thinking about that sound that we've actually been uh, making secondary or in some cases totally ignoring for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, stemming off of that, uh, I wanted to talk maybe briefly, maybe not, <laughs> about your experience at Cannes Lions back in June. Um, I was hearing a lot of buzz and kind of both sides of the spectrum responses to it. But what were kind of the highlights of the voice technology reveals that you heard about or maybe some disappointments, things that uh, you, you wanted to hear more about and you weren't hearing? Yeah, it was an interesting year at CanLine, I think for uh, well, a lot of different things happening in the media and advertising ecosystem right now. But one of the biggest takeaways I had was while there was a good amount of conversation and both about interactive voice platforms and also the importance of sonic branding started to come up, there really wasn't a lot of work where I would say these new channels. And I'm saying new, they're not necessarily new. Uh, it's, radio is still um, <laughs> reaching in a great scale, right? But mm -hmm. so much of the work that I saw celebrated and on display at Cannes Lines was either still more traditional broadcast or video-based or um, oftentimes print. And I think there's nothing wrong with those channels by any means. But I do think that in a lot of instances, some of the newer channels wind up being underrepresented both in comparison to the quantity of work that's being done there. Cause I think there actually is quite a lot and sometimes the quality, there's some really interesting innovative experiences and innovative work coming out in other channels. Obviously I, I keep mentioning the voice first AI space is something that's front and center in my mind. And I saw very little that I thought was really making great use of some of the capabilities of platforms representative can and I think largely that's actually um, endemic to the broader kind of marketing awards and marketing festivals uh, ecosystem and it's largely a matter of the requirements for submissions I think uh, categories take a little while to catch up to the latest in how practitioners are actually working in the space and it's expensive to do these submissions and they're in many cases being judged by some very talented and you know, well-credentialed judges, but also potentially a little more traditional in their thinking. So across the board, I wouldn't, I think I saw some really phenomenal creative thinking, some great strategy on display and some really compelling creative that 
did connect and resonate, but not necessarily the most innovative channel planning. And therefore, I actually saw probably a lot less in the audio space than what I feel I actually encounter just moving through my day-to-day life. Hmm, that's interesting. I I kind of see that as like a good and a bad thing. Like I see it as a good thing for people like you and I that know that this is where it's going. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a bad thing because more companies aren't utilizing this yet, but a good thing because we have the opportunity to create something like so much innovation and creativity is at our fingertips to do whatever the heck they want, whatever the heck we want with it um, because it's not being done yet. And, um, and that makes sense to me too, for like the festival circuit and all that stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it's probably a scary thing to invest all of this money and um, you know, money and time on something that is, maybe more of an experiment uh, in their eyes than it is to you and I. Um, And we also, I come from corporate America, you work in corporate America, you know, here and there and everything, but uh, corporate America doesn't like to change easily. (laughs) So um, anyways, all that to be said, I think that it's an exciting time that you saw some creative innovations, but it hasn't totally been put up, put into play yet. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Right. And I actually would build on a little of what you just started getting at there around the, you know, the, the rate of adoption. And even before we jump to adoption, the, the rate of it, uh, the willingness to experiment in some of these new channels. I think that's something where we actually take our role in the ecosystem and as a responsibility pretty seriously to help to make that kind of, I'll call it responsible. I, I'm going to say responsible innovation, and I'm not talking here yet although hopefully we get to it, about some of the ethics of AI and that space and stuff that we're really passionate about. But I'm actually meaning more from a business standpoint about finding compelling and interesting opportunities that don't necessarily require massive upfront investment because as bullish as we are on many of these channels, in some instances, the scale is still capped. And in others, the scale might be pretty expansive. Again, I'll go back to like, linear traditional broadcast radio, your reach can be tremendous, but the addressability of the media compared to digital channels isn't where it needs to be. Um, so I think that's a space where we actually work with, you know, I, by the nature of our agency, we tend to work with, I, I would say, some relatively risk tolerant clients. We, clients who come to work with VaynerMedia and specifically uh, who engage with VaynerSmart are generally willing to try out some new things and would rather be a little early than a little late into a space that might have meaningful impact on their business. But at the same time, I think we try, we take that responsibility seriously to say, okay, we're going to try and be good guides into these spaces, manage expectations on the near-term business impact. Sometimes they could be tremendous, but sometimes what you're getting in the very short term, call it the first three to six to even 12 months, of an activation might largely be about building operational learnings, getting uh, some experience under our belts and building understanding of user and customer desire rather than actually immediately this, some of these channels being huge volume drivers of commerce or even huge reach drivers. Um, So all that to say, we uh, try and sit at this interesting intersection of constantly exploring the next set of opportunities for brands, evangelizing them, but also 
keeping a bit of a, a lens of reality on where they do sit in terms of scale and immediate return compared to some more mature spaces. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Tune in next Wednesday, September 18th for part two of my interview with Patrick. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, add to your library and share with a friend. To reach Patrick Givens, you can contact him through the VaynerSmart website or through LinkedIn, both of which I will include in the show notes. I'd love to hear your thoughts on sound and marketing as well. Have you read an interesting article lately? Do you have questions? Please share. You can find me at dreamerproductions.com. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com. LinkedIn, Facebook, or you can email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A at dreamerproductions.com. This podcast should be of benefit to us all. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.